are entering the Freedom Hut. Border Patrol is overwhelmed, and the crisis down here on the U.S.-Mexico border is worsening. I'm coming to you live today from El Paso, Texas, with all of the latest trials and tribulations for those who believe that we have a border that is secure. Let me tell you, it is a de facto open border here. I'll give you the front line ground truth on that and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. 40,000 children expected to enter the process this month. We are doing everything we can to simply avoid a tragedy in a CBP facility. But with these numbers, with the types of illnesses we're seeing at the border, I fear that it's just a matter of time. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, my friends. I'm here in El Paso, Texas. I spent the day with Border Patrol, and the news I have to share with you is not good. The situation is deteriorating. The numbers are skyrocketing. The border is not secure. In fact, the border, if you know what you're doing, if you have gotten word of our system and the loopholes in it, border is wide open. I saw surrenders happening in real time today. I saw arrests happening in real time today. Scores, if not hundreds of people in the just few hours that I spent doing a ride along and going to different points along the border here. They have set records in the last week, thousands in a day along the entirety of the El Paso border sector. They, by this time last year, had... 9,000 arrests. Remember, even when people claim asylum, initially they that is counted as an arrest because they're, they're crossing not at a point of entry. When they surrender, they are an illegal crosser. But after being an illegal, then they get processed and put into the system for asylum. And what you have in many cases are people try to come in illegally and just try to get into America and then once captured by Border Patrol and, and put through the process, then they claim asylum. Because why not take that first shot? You get through the whole process. You don't have to wait. This is unsustainable. The number is going to be over 100,000 for the month of March. That's along the border. That's people arrested and detained all along the southern border, 100,000 in one month. That number is far more impactful, far more significant even than the numbers back in the mid-2000s, say 2004, 2005, when they would have as much as 200,000 in a month along the border. People would say, well, Buck, that's a lot more. Here's the difference. In the early 2000s, Along the border, what you had were people who were primarily single male Mexican national illegal crossers. Now what you have are families, right? 
If you are a single male Mexican crosser and you are caught by Border Patrol, you would be immediately turned around and deported. And the process was very rapid. You'd be put back in Mexico. And in fact, there are plenty of Border Patrol guys that I've talked to today and at other times who will tell you that they would, in the same shift sometimes, catch people. Right? So, you know, within, within a 12 hour period, they'd have somebody that was deported back into Mexico and then would try to come back into the States again. There was catch and release, but the catch, I mean, the release part of it was very rapid and it was right back across the border. Now what you have are family units. I saw them today. It is startling what's going on here. You have women who are showing up, four or five children with them. You have, yesterday there were hundreds of women in a processing center that I went to today that is just the underpass of a bridge with some concertina wire and some some fencing. There were space blankets, you know, those metallic-looking blankets that they give out. They're just strewn all over, the, all over the dirt floor. Women with their children coming into the country in large numbers because they know that if you come with, your, with a, a child accompanying you, even if you are initially detained for an illegal crossing, you cannot be separated, you cannot be processed criminally, and you will immediately be processed into the asylum system, which means that right now if you are a, a, a woman who shows up at the border from Honduras, from we had a few from Guatemala today, and you say that you, you have a, a credible fear, you want to claim asylum, you, you have children with you, Within 48 hours, they're telling me now, because the system is completely overwhelmed. They don't have the space to hold people, to verify what they're saying, to check. They've got fake documents all over the place, people lying about who are their family members. And Border Patrol is saying, look, we're just trying to make sure that no one dies in our custody because they have to segregate them out by communicable disease. They wouldn't show me. They wouldn't let me into those facilities for obvious reasons. But they have uh, a... An area for people with with uh, with measles, uh, an area for people with scabies, an area for people with lice, an area for people with influenza, people with, you know, H1N1 or H1N2 or whatever. I mean, they're, they're separating people out by disease now as they come across the border. And Border Patrol is not an emergency room. But you have a lot of people that show up. They're not dressed for the journey. They don't understand the risks inherent in bringing particularly small children through the desert. The coyotes, the, the human smugglers that are employees of the cartel, which is very important for you to remember, because the cartels that effectively run Mexico are making hundreds of millions of dollars off this process. Women now show up with a child. They're incentivized to show up with a child. And they're going to be led into the interior of the United States within 48 hours. So, yes, the, the austere conditions I saw that they're held in initially, it is, it's, it's rough. I mean, you have women with, with small children. They're basically sitting in the dirt waiting to get processed. And they're surrounded with fencing and concertina wire. But w- there, there are no other facilities. There's, there's no processing center for them because nothing was set up for this. They're not used to hundreds of people. They've had hundreds, as many as three or four hundred people at one time just show up in a big mass and say, we're here to claim asylum. 
Then they have to get processed through the system. And oh, by the way, while that's happening, because all of them have to be be taken in, made sure they're safe, made sure, you know, our, our Border Patrol folks, by the way, you know, one part of this that is a story that you don't hear. I mean, these, these men and women, they're not making a lot of money. I mean, quite the opposite. They're they're underpaid, if anything. And there I, I looked at it, I said, you know, what about I, I see some some blankets and some toys. You know, they have they have DVDs in some of the facilities now with, with children's movies on them and think, where's that all coming from? Members of Border Patrol are taking money out of their own pocket. Because they know what it's like to, you know, have, have kids who are crying and you know they, they don't they don't want they don't want anyone to unduly suffer. They're going out of their way to make sure everyone that's showing up is safe and 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 they're trying to give them their due process. And their hands are tied, folks, by the way. For those of you who are saying, Buck, they should just turn them around, that's not what the law says. Right now, our asylum laws, as interpreted by the courts and therefore as instituted by the executive branch, are that if you show up and claim a credible fear standard, you get your due process in court. The courts are so overwhelmed by this that it's it's going to be three, four, five years minimum for a lot of these claims to be heard. Does anyone think by the time that they are heard, there will be immigration judges who will say, oh, you're a, you're a woman and a, a mother of four who is now living with her husband in the United States. Uh, you, you're, we're going to deport you and your whole family. Of course not. They are skipping the entire immigration system. This I, I understand why they're doing it, right? If I were coming from a desperate circumstance in a desperately poor country, you know, I, I might be willing to, to roll the dice on this too. I, I'm not – no one's saying that they're bad people. But what they're doing is wrong and it's illegal and it's a violation of our laws. And I got to tell you, Congress doesn't seem to care very much at all about this. We do not have the attention on this issue that it should get, not even close. People who are chanting build the wall, I keep saying, no, first deal with this. Because all the wall that we have, and they're building new wall here in El Paso, I've they're replacing the old wall with new wall, and I know there's a billion dollars of funding now that's being diverted for wall building. The wall is essentially a beacon that says, come surrender here. The wall is like a lighthouse for people to skip past the system. They show up, they say, oh, there's the wall, that's where I go. That's where the nice Border Patrol men show up. I wave to them. They bring me food and blankets, and within 48 hours... I mean, yeah, the conditions are not good that they're being held in because there's not supposed to be this number of people that are being processed into the system. But it's only two days. If you show up with kids, it's two days. Huge incentive to bring children, which also is endangering these kids. Putting them in a situation where they're being exposed to the elements, they're dehydrated, they're malnourished, they're, you know, all this stuff is happening. Where is the focus on this? Why aren't people shouting at Congress to change the law so that if you want to claim asylum, you have to do it from the nearest safe country, which means either Canada or Mexico. We need an agreement with those countries to do that. Or we need to move infrastructure down to the border such that the immigration courts are right here. We've got them. They are set up for this. And that's going to be a massive investment. And then we also need clarity on if you can't prove a real credible fear of persecution, the, remember, they're not just skipping the immigration line. They're skipping past people who are legitimate asylum seekers. 
There are people who, if they go, I've been to the refugee camps in Syria. I know what it is to look into the eyes of families who, if they return home, they will be massacred. They've had men show up to their doors and say, the government is going to kill you if you're here tomorrow. Those are asylum seekers. Most of the people that are coming across the border now have been coached to say, we fear, you know, I fear violence in my home country. What they really want is I want better wages and welfare benefits in America. That's not asylum. A hundred thousand a month, folks. This cannot be ignored anymore. It's going to get worse. There are caravans now coming from Guatemala, from Honduras. As word spreads further south, anybody within driving or train distance is going to start showing up at the border. Why is there not greater focus on this? I can't even begin to tell you. This is a massive failure, and it is happening on the Trump administration's watch, I am sorry to say. We're, we were at over 20 million illegals in the country before. We're going to start adding a million illegals a year until we deal with this problem. I mean, how, how long is that sustainable? All right, I'm live from El Paso, so if you want to call in and talk to me about this, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK, we'll kick the lines open. I got more for you on this. I mean, I, I'm I'm just shocked that, you know, where, where are the conservatives who are ch- uh, chanting build the wall saying shut down the asylum scam? That's what needs to happen. We'll be right back. It wasn't just Central Americans that I saw today getting uh, arrested at the U.S.-Mexico border here in El Paso, Texas, where I'm coming to you uh, from live as we speak. I saw two men uh, make a run for it, and then when they realized Border Patrol was on to them, in part because National Guard, remember we're always told that, oh, the National Guard, uh, they can't help. Oh, actually, they do help. National Guard surveillance vehicle caught them uh, making a run for it. Then I was in the Border Patrol vehicle. We had to pack up our gear real fast and hop in and guy hit the accelerator we tracked down the two illegal crossers and they both were wearing bright red t-shirts with american flags on them and they were young men maybe in their early 20s from cuba so now you have to understand that there are people coming from as far away as cuba uh, this is a long way for those who don't happen to have a map or a globe in for them we're a long way from cuba I and mean, we're like we're a long way from central america too but uh, you got to cross a whole lot of water from Cuba to get here. But there's an understanding that if you show up at the border, the word has gotten out. There are NGOs, I would note, that are telling people about this process that are spreading the word. And it's spreading online, too, in social media. And they're handing out pamphlets and papers to people in different places. The cartels are actively recruiting, saying, come to America. It's easy. And they're right. It is easy right now. 48, all you have to do is have a kid with you, 48 hours, you're in America, scot-free, you're good to go. Two days, folks. That's all you have to spend in custody. Two days. I know people that have spent years waiting in in line for uh, immigration to come through for them into this country legally. Years and, and thousands and thousands of dollars. Or you can show up at the southern border with a kid, say it's your kid, don't have any paperwork, they don't really know, and they'll let you in the United States. That is the system. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not skipping. That's what is going on here right now. That's why you have 100,000 people who have done it this past month. 100,000. It's a good-sized U.S. city each month. 
I mean, well, you start to ask the question, what's too much? What's And, and they're all staying. Uh, 90% of them, you can assume, are going to stay in the country. There's no interior enforcement. Nobody wants to deport people that are in the country illegally who don't commit heinous crimes. And in some cases, they don't even want to deport the ones that commit heinous crimes. But we'll talk about the Democrats later. Saw another woman today who uh, was uh, was detained, was arrested. Couldn't have been older than 24, 25 years old. Um, must have been seven or eight months pregnant. I mean, it looked like the baby could honestly, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get to ask her. None of them wanted to talk to me. We asked through Border Patrol if some of them wanted to. Uh, I, 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 do they want to talk? No. Do they want to talk even with no cameras, no nothing? I just want to hear their stories? No, they did not want to talk to me. Some of them were shy, or I, look, I understand that, and I, of course, I respect that, and you know, we respect people's privacy who are who are private citizens, even if they've been arrested. We're not going to um, disrespect that, but it felt like they had been told not to talk, only speak to border patrol. That was my sense. That's just my sense. But this woman was in her mid twenties, and she must have been third trimester pregnant. You can imagine making this journey. It came all the way from Guatemala third trimester pregnant and uh, was was process, you know, was going to be processed. She'll be out with probably less than 48 hours, probably 24. Very, very – because she's a, a high priority for them because she's a pregnant woman. And Border Patrol is very humane and they want to do everything that they can to make sure everybody's okay. They want to enforce the law but make sure everybody is okay. It's hard when you have what is effectively a migrant invasion going on. That's what's happening. If you don't like the word invasion, it's a migrant invasion. It is a mass movement of people. But that one woman that I saw today, here's an example of what's going to be happening. She's going to be released in the interior of the United States. She's going to have her child in the U.S., all paid for by the taxpayer, of course. And he'll be a U.S. citizen or she'll be a U.S. citizen. There is no realistic universe where she will ever be deported. She has managed to skip past the entire immigration line in less than 24 hours of actual processing. And that's all she wrote, folks. That is the story of your southern border right now. Please, please pay attention to this and let's make some noise about it. Live in El Paso, Texas today, my friends. Quite a day down here on your southern border. Not not encouraging from the perspective of border security, but uh, Customs and Border Patrol is doing all they can. We got some calls. We got some lines lit. Let's get to it. Uh, Kenny in Austin. Good to talk to you, sir. Mr. Sexton, first of all, welcome to the great state of Texas. I hope they're treating you very nicely down there. Thank you. It is a great state, indeed. Everyone here is so nice. I mean, the mayor in El Paso today, I did an interview with him this morning. I'm like, this guy's very friendly. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying your time here. Listen, I'm so glad you're covering this uh, illegal immigration story. I just I want to let you know, first of all, I've been in Texas since 1980. Illegal immigrants have always been part of the fabric of Texas. It's been not just welcomed, it's appreciated. We understand that they are very much needed in Texas. The problem you're finding, and what you're going to learn here, is that the Democrats changed the rules of immigration when they created these sanctuary cities. So the border protection, the people that were coming in, the, the values that they held have changed. It's, it's no longer the people coming from 1980 and 90 and 2000 and on. The rules changed, and so that, that's the need for our, our improvement on our border security. And I, you know, I've said this argument for months. So, months so Kenny, I have, some, I have some questions. Okay. Can, can I ask you some questions? for When you say, yeah, absolutely. You say that 
if you said legal immigrants are part of the fabric of Texas, that's yeah, of course. Why are well, illegal immigrants part of the the fabric of Texas or, or any state because, for that matter? I mean, why should people be able here, to violate the law with impunity? Well, I don't agree with it at all. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm in Austin. I'm hours and hours and hours away from you. I'm I'm literally in central Texas. Texas is a very very big state. At Christmas time, I went to Walmart and I never heard English. I mean, I am smack dab in the middle of one of the biggest states in the union, and it, it, it's just the rules have changed. And the, the well, you know, I mean, because you know, Kenny, I, I think you you raise something, and this is what I've started to talk to more and more Democrat members of Congress and and different uh, members of the of the uh, Democrat media, and and what I've been asking them is. Do you think illegal immigration is a problem? Because I think the answer from the Democrat Party, although they won't usually say it, I asked Jay Johnson this, Obama's former DHS secretary, earlier this week, and he kind of said, well, and at the end he goes, yes, no, people should obey our laws. You know they don't really mean it, though. I mean, because when you say, well, why why is illegal immigration bad? They just say, well, because it's against the law. It, it, but But why is it against the law? And that's where it starts to break down for them. They're, they're, they don't agree with or don't know why it's a problem. And that's where someone like me would come along and say, well, first of all, you have the uh, the theft of resources that occurs, right? Because we're all, as American citizens, paying into a system or people that are in this country legally, including you know green card holders, we're paying into this system. The government has resources. It disperses those resources to people, whether in schools or in hospitals and all kinds of things. Uh, and if you are present in the country illegally, you're accessing – you're just de facto accessing those benefits without the legal right to do so. And then you get into if we don't have control over our border, how do we even have sovereignty? I mean, how are we not subject to foreign influence and forces? Do you see what I'm saying? How is that, how is that the case? I absolutely see what you're saying, and there's a reason why Nancy Pelosi still has a wall on her southern border in California, because illegal immigration is a problem. And I will quit asking and demanding for our protection in Texas when Nancy Pelosi pulls her walls down. I, I mean, it just, I just, it behooves me the fact that Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She represents every single person in America, and she will not afford the protection for Texas that she gives her own state. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not a Pelosi fan, understand. obviously, but anyway, Kenny, I think, I thank you. I thank you for calling in from Austin. Um, I want to get some of our other callers. Brent in New Mexico. Brent, good to have you on. Hey, Buck. Shield tie. Shield tie. Brent, what's up? Well, no, I'm uh, I'm in eastern New Mexico, which is where you're at. It's about 150 miles from me. But to get to my point, it's so sparsely uh, populated where I'm at that that's the nearest place I can catch an airport from. So, I mean, it's the most metropolitan place within driving distance to me. And you're mentioning how 100,000 of these people are being processed and released within 48 hours. And I started instantly thinking, well, where, where do they go? And uh, on the interior side where I'm at, 150 miles away, which is desert, like what you're looking at, there's a real article, Buck. I mean, Google Dexter, New Mexico, illegal immigrant bus. And last month, there were 70 Guatemalans. 15 minutes from my house that uh, that they found in a 20 by 12 shed with no air conditioner, nothing, and the coyote that was taken was Guatemalan. So there's something going on on this side to push them wherever they go once they're released. Because I know these all these people don't have, you know, 
airplane tickets once they get here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, that, there's there's a whole system in place, Kenny. In fact, there's an NGO here uh, that operates. Um, I'm, I'm trying to go see it myself tomorrow, and I'm seeing. I'm trying to figure out if they will, they're willing to talk to me um, because what they do is the uh, ICE, you initially get processed with Customs and Border Patrol, and then they hand over to ICE for just some final processing. ICE does not have the ability to hold family units, so they just – process some paperwork, and then you get handed over to the NGO. The NGO provides food, clothing, and uh, assistance with with travel, with bus fare, or maybe plane fare, or whatever it is to get you to your sponsor. So people, you know, this is the thing. I'm in El Paso. I I talked to the mayor of El Paso this morning, uh, Mayor Margot, and the illegal immigrant problem in El Paso is not particularly acutely, acutely felt because they go all over the country. I mean, they're not, it's not like they just come into El Paso and they stay here because this is the first place on U.S. soil. They usually already have a destination in mind, whether it's Chicago or Philadelphia or somewhere in California or wherever. And, and so all they have to do is get into the country and then they have assistance to get to that next step. And look, if people want to argue that all this is fine and good, if Democrats want to make that case, they should make that case. What they shouldn't do is pretend that they're for border, secu- uh, border security and rule of law, and the border is porous at best right now. It's really de facto open border, and rule of law is a joke. I mean, people are scamming the system left and right. Tens of thousands of them are pretending that they're asylum seekers when they're not. They're not asylum. Asylum is a specific thing. They're just saying things that they've been told because we don't have the resources to check out their claims initially. The credible fear standard is very low when they show up and then they get to go to the rest of the country. So, you know, all if you want to come into this country, unless you have a criminal record and that comes up, I will say that will bar you from entry. But if you want to come into the country otherwise, uh, all you have to do is show up at the southern border, say that you're scared and you're not from Mexico or Canada and you're good to go. That's all it takes, my friend. That's all it is. And there's a whole system in place. The cartels are making hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, this this is you're you're watching the erosion of national sovereignty in real time right now, and it is a a huge amount of people. I mean, this is a mass migration that we're talking about. A million people? That is a lot of people. I mean, a million people migrated into Germany at Angela Merkel from you know, from the Middle East, that Angela Merkel's invitation. And, you know, it caused a lot of political upheaval in Germany because people realize when you when you change the demographics so rapidly in any country, there's going to be uh, political upheaval and, and 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 all kinds of issues that come up with the state and the administration of services. And, you know, we're supposed to you know, a country is really just an idea Brent, and if you have people that show up and their very first action on U.S. soil is to violate a federal law under that under that idea of a country, I think that's a bad start to the relationship. Well, anyway, yeah, obviously you can tell I'm fired up about a, this stuff. What happens if they don't have a sponsor, Buck? They get released. They just get released. That's what ends up happening. The, the, the system. Well, that's what I'm. People saying. have been that's saying the immigration system is broke. Yeah. That have nowhere to go. Yeah. Well, we're going to see, Kenny. I mean, I'm sorry, Brent, rather. I think that it's uh, – thanks for calling in, Brent, uh, from New Mexico, not far from where I am. You know, this is not this is not fixable by a wall. It's not fixable by 
demagoguery. We really have to decide as a country, do we care who comes into the country or not? Is it, do we, does this matter? If it doesn't matter, then we need to accept that. But then if it doesn't matter also, I don't want to pay federal income taxes. How about that? Uh, if, if anyone can come and go as they please, if it doesn't really make any difference, then, well, how about, you know, I'll, I'll come and go as I please to America and, and I don't want to pay taxes anymore. Because what, what is the value of my citizenship if anybody can have it? It's a fair question, isn't it? Or rather, what is the value of my living here if anybody can show up and stay for as long as they want and leave? And by the way, not pay taxes, not file for taxes, be here illegally. We have a whole separate set of laws for illegal aliens in this country that's not thought of that way, but that's what really happens. They don't get charged with document fraud. They don't get charged with lying to government authorities, which is a felony, which they do all the time. They don't get charged with failing to register for um, failure to file taxes. They don't get charged for welfare fraud when they do access benefits or not. They They just don't. And it's not because they're not breaking the law. You ask any AUSA, assistant U.S. attorney down here, they'd say that's all we would do is process immigration-related crimes. That's all we would do. We'd have time for nothing else. I asked Border Patrol today, I said, how much is coming across the border right now in this second wave of the drugs? They said, when we have 100 people surrender at once, our visibility and ability to track down anybody that tries drops down to, you know, wide, basically wide open. We don't know what's coming in. People that say, oh, it all comes to the ports of entry. Yeah, that's because we don't know what's coming not at the ports of entry. At least at the ports of entry, you have to have them staffed. There are people there looking. It's very easy now if you get all of Border Patrol tied down in one part of one sector trying to deal with little kids who are scared and terrified and hungry and need to be taken care of. And, you know, we there is a humanitarian mission here, too. That's what Border Patrol has to embrace. But who knows what the cartels are doing when, when one hand is busy with this, the other hand's doing something else. Anyway, this is this is what I'm seeing down here, folks. It's it's very bad news. I'm going to come back to D.C. and make more noise about it. But because the, the problem is Congress has to fix this. Who thinks Congress is going to come together and do something sensible on this? I don't think anyone does. So that's why this is going to continue for all of this year. And it's going to continue into next year, into the election year. And what are we going to do about this? It requires a fix of legislation. Trump could try to do something via executive order, but it would just get jammed up in the courts right away. Maybe people want to start making the case that violating U.S. immigration law is no big deal, but they need to start making that case because what's going on right now is just a free-for-all. It is legal anarchy down here at the border for all intents and purposes. Saw dozens, hundreds of people were arrested today when I was down here. Hundreds of them. They can't. They can't even bring the buses fast enough. Just breaking the law left and right. Arrest, 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 all over the place. You seeing this? And there's not. I know it's fun, and we're about to do some drop kicks against the liberal media too for the continuation of the victory lap over Russia collusion. But you know, this is an imminent problem. I mean, that we we won at least for now on that. We're not winning on this one. You know, I know people have been saying this week, well, Trump, are we tired of winning yet? I'm not tired of winning on this because we are losing at the border. The rule of law is losing. I hope, you know, some of the people I know in D.C. are listening. Uh, I'm going to try to get them word, too. This has to be dealt with. The president has to focus on this. Uh, It's only going to get bigger and and worse. And down the line, what you're just going to have is a mass amnesty. Say goodbye, Republican Party, if that happens. You're done. We're done. We become some out-of-power uh, cute political anachronism 
conservatism. Bye-bye. You're finished. That's what this, that's what's at stake. So I just I hope people understand that. We'll be right back. Schiff is a bad guy because he knew he was lying. I mean, he's not a dummy and he knew he was lying. And for a year and a half, he'd go on and just lie and lie and leak and call up CNN and others. He should be forced out of office. He is a disgrace to our country. If Schiff isn't going to step down, who, who would step down from their intel role? I mean, if Adam Schiff's shifty behavior is not egregious enough that he should not hold a post on the Intelligence Oversight Committee in the House, is it possible for anybody Anybody do it to warrant that? Are there really going to be no consequences for any politician or member of the media for this massive hoax, for this attempted coup against the president of the United States? Nothing? I, I'd like to think that that's not the... Meanwhile, Shifty Schiff is out there saying that other people, they're the naughty ones, they're bad. Play 15. You might say that's all okay. You might say that's just what you need to do to win. But I don't think it's okay. I think it's immoral. I think it's unethical. I think it's unpatriotic. Ooh, he, he doesn't like when other people do oppo research, apparently. That's, that's a problem for him. I, I was one of the ones saying, you'll remember this, those of you who've been listening to me for uh, long enough, saying the, the big crown jewel of the collusion theorists for a while was the whole meeting in Trump Tower. People say, oh, I would have called the FBI right away. No, you wouldn't. If you're in a political campaign and you're up against the Hillary machine and all of her Democrat allies in the media and someone says they've got damaging info on Hillary, you're going to hear them out. That's that's what oppo research is. Just think of what's what's managed, what, what the left has managed to do here. OK is to hire a uh, an oppo research firm through a cutout that hires a foreigner Christopher Steele, to pay a bunch of other foreign subsources that he has no way of assessing the credibility of, to pull together a document that we now know was totally bogus, and then shop that around to both the media and the intelligence community, the FBI, at the same time. That is ethical, according to the shifts of the world. But somebody wants to have a they have bad info on Hillary. Um, that's unethical? I'm sorry. There's no standard there. There's just nonsense. Schiff got mad today, though. Play 14. And that is the subject of our hearing today. Well, the Mr. Yield. Ambassador, well, you are recognized for your opening well, statement. Yield. I will not yield. Mr. Ambassador, well, you are. Well, yield because you, you just made will, things about will, all of us that I, I think will, we all should get I the will opportunity not, to respond to. I will if you're going to say yield. we think, you ought to allow us to speak of what you we think. You can use your five minutes to speak. You attacked me in your opening statement, and I responded. I, I have not had an opportunity to respond at all, especially to your statements of what we think, because no one over here thinks that. No one over here. You cannot, you, speak for us. you cannot speak for Mr. us. Mr. Turner, you're not recognized. <laughs> you're not recognized. Yeah, Schiff in the, on the hot seat. But what did we find out about Nellie Orr and the dossier research today? Some very interesting stuff there coming up. Plus, Jussie Small. I think Brennan's a sick person. I really do. I believe there's something wrong with him. And I watched for him to come out of the CIA and act that way. Uh, was so disrespectful to the country and to the CIA and to the position he held. And he was not considered good at what he did. When you look at what happened and when it happened and the money that was spent, the millions and millions on the phony dossier, and then they used the dossier to 
uh, start things and there was no truth whatsoever it was a fraud and paid for by Hillary Clinton and paid for by the Democrats and the DNC it's uh, hard to believe if you wrote this as a novel nobody would buy it Trump is right it's hard to believe isn't it but you know I'm not I'm not done with the victory lap over the obliteration of the Russia collusion Delusion. I'm not done with the victory lap, and I think that we can't be done until we achieve justice. And the only way to achieve justice is going to be to find answers and to create some accountability somewhere along the line here. There must be accountability for what was done in the media, government figures. My friend Sean Davis over at The Federalist has done a very interesting breakdown of some of the newly released documents from a uh, deposition involving Nellie Orr, with, uh, or, which he testified behind closed doors to Congress. Now, now we have some of this has been released. And here are some of the most interesting. Remember, Nellie Orr is the wife of Bruce Orr. Bruce Orr was a senior DOJ official involved in handling Christopher Steele as a source at DOJ and obviously pushing the collusion theory through the very top rung of the Department of Justice, which is really the most frightening apparatus in the entire federal government, right? The the one that abuse should be stamped out most vigorously is the DOJ. The only thing that comes close maybe is the IRS, which has also been weaponized against conservatives. You will remember that under the Obama administration, but they pretended like that was no big deal too, of course. Just so happened to deny the approvals for nonprofit organizations in an election year, by the way, when Obama's trying to get reelected. Just just so happened to deny people with patriot. Remember all that? Patriot, conservative, those are bad words. Can't give can't give tax exempt those people i need to investigate them and and intimidate them and frighten them that's what the, that's what the obama irs did and it was the obama doj his appointees at cia at the department of justice at the fbi they were the ones that were trying to take trump down sean davis writes this of nelly or Nellie Orr describes how information in the dossier matched her own research, which she gave to Bruce, who gave it to the FBI, even though her specific wording wasn't in the dossier. Did the FBI DOJ use her info in the Carter Page FISA application? Orr also admits in these documents, Nellie Orr, wife of Bruce Orr, she did do research on Carter Page on behalf of Fusion GPS, Recall that huge chunks of the dossier were about Page and that DOJ FBI included allegations from the dossier in the FISA warrant application for Page. Sean goes on here, quote, Nellie Orr also admits in testimony before House Judiciary that GPS told her to dig up dirt on Mike Flynn and Paul Manafort, but not George Papadopoulos. Orr says she was also instructed to dig up dirt on Melania Trump and Donald Trump Jr., This is oppo research of a scorched earth nature by the wife of a senior DOJ employee. She's a left-wing partisan, folks. And her husband at the Department of Justice used his access to launder her completely bull, salacious nonsense 
all the way up through the intelligence community and to get a FISA warrant off of this? I mean, I was joking around today with my friend Jesse Kelly on Twitter that I'm going to have to scratch out that part of my resume that says CIA and I'm going to replace it with personal growth with some international travel, you know, 2005 to 2011. No, no more CIA after what's happened here. It's not, not nearly as impressive sounding to some people as it used to be. And I, I understand why. Oh, Buck, is Nellie Orr really a partisan? Are you just assuming that? Have I ever been wrong about that, by the way? Let's be honest, team. Have I ever been wrong about that? Of course not. Here's what Sean writes. This is all from the testimony. Nellie Orr testified that if she had been asked, she would not have done research against Hillary Clinton that was similar to her research against Trump because she wanted Clinton to win and wanted Trump to lose. How how much more do we have to know about the way this went down before people realize that this was all corrupt, it was all rotten, this was all a disgusting fever swamp dream of people that couldn't handle that Hillary Clinton wasn't going to be the next president. They just couldn't handle it. Or they couldn't handle the prospect of her not being the next president. The thought of Donald Trump winning, which, by the way, is, is America in some terrible circumstance right now because Trump won? No, I mean, the economy's good. Things are fine. Haven't started any unnecessary wars. The economy's strong. Border's not in good shape right now. But I will say that Trump, I, I, I should give him credit for this. I just saw this. I mean, I've been at the border all day today. And the president tweeted out the following. This is just a few hours ago, right before I came on air. We have a national emergency at our southern border. The Dems refuse to do what they know is necessary, amend our immigration laws, would immediately solve the problem. Mexico, with the strongest immigration laws in the world, refuses to help with illegal immigration and drugs. So Trump Trump knows. I'm not saying he's not aware of the problem. He just has to keep the pressure on because Congress needs to start uh, forcing Democrats, you know, at least in the Senate, Mitch McConnell needs to force them to take some votes on this. But Senate Republicans, kind of weak on immigration. Now, I don't want to um, get back on the immigration issue. I know we talked about that a lot the first hour. If you missed that, please go back and listen on the podcast, The Buck Sexton Show, which you can listen to on iTunes or the iHeart app. I haven't plugged that in a while. So, yeah, we know that Fusion GPS, bad things happened there. We know that the dossier was fake. We know it was used, although hopefully we'll find the full extent of how much it was used in the FISA application, which is an enormous abuse of power, abuse of discretion, by people who should know better, who should have known better, and abuse their authority. Trump is now saying, and I I hope it's true, he told me this months ago, he said, Buck, I'm going to release that information. I'm going to release the FISA application. I'm going to release this stuff that we need to to get to the bottom of when it comes to the origins of the Russia collusion investigation. I I certainly want to see that happen. But I don't think that that can be all of it. I think that there's there's got to be more here. Newt. Newt had some thoughts on this about what the investigation should be. Play clip 11. Look, I think that there are three big investigations coming out of this. One is the deep state effort to really have a coup d'etat. I mean, you had from Obama all the way down. The second investigation is, since it's exactly the same people, what happened in the effort to protect Hillary? And the third, frankly, I've been urging the news media 
to create their own special commission, because under freedom of the press, I don't think it's a government function, but I think the New York Times, the Washington Post should return their Pulitzer Prizes. We ought to have news people look at how, how did it get to be this sick? I think Newt's right, but that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. In fact, they're, they're still doubling down on all this. The people who were wrong, they don't accept yet that they were wrong. They're not willing to move on. They're, they have not decided that uh, they're going to give up on this one entirely. There's some dead-enders on this issue. Not just Adam Schiff. Who, who else do we have on the, at the top of the... Oh, that's right. Eric Swalwell, another person. I mean, his, his career, unless he can tr- change the narrative here, Schiff, Swalwell... Their political careers, I don't know if they ever fully recover because while they were useful to the left, they're, they're entirely replaceable. They're not media stars. They don't generate tens of millions of dollars of advertising for you know far-left brands. They, they don't do that. So their position here is a little shakier. Swalwell is still saying stuff like Trump is a Russian agent. Play nine. Do you believe the president right now has been an agent of the Russians? Yes, I, I think there's more evidence than he agent. is. Yes, and I, I think all the arrows point in that direction. And I haven't seen a single piece of evidence that he's not. So you, do you still believe that the president is a, a Russian agent? I think he acts on Russia's behalf and he puts Russia's interests ahead too often of America's interests. Notice how he won't even say at this point, no, he's not a Russian agent. He'll say he acts on Russia's behalf to suggest that, yeah, maybe he is still a Russian agent. That's all he's doing. We heard today that the Mueller report is about 300 or so pages. And everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, 300 pages. They're drawing all these conclusions from that. What, did they expect it to be five pages? This investigation's gone on for two years. 300 pages is not that much. I think the 9-11 Commission report was more like 500 pages. 300 pages is not that much. They're saying Barr didn't have time to read it. No, he's a lawyer and he's got a staff and he had plenty of time to read it. And he also knew the underlying findings. This theory out there that that Barr, and this, this is coming straight from the collusion dead-enders, that Barr could misrepresent what's in that report and get away with that somehow, that is really nuts. Because does anyone think that, that Bob Mueller, if the report was being uh, unfairly portrayed in the or if the, if the key findings were changed, does anybody think that Bob Mueller would be silent on this one? I don't. Ridiculous point of view. Absolutely ridiculous. James Comey is a person who has done more damage to the reputation. I don't know who's done more damage to their respective institution. Comey at the FBI or Brennan at the CIA, but both of them have really harmed the organizations that they served for a very long time. They have really, really done damage. Uh, Comey apparently thinks that he doesn't understand what's going on here. He, he can't even really process this. Play clip one, John. Yeah, uh, I sit down uh, yeah, with one. President Trump. He says, when I decided to just do it, talking about firing you, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. What did you think when you heard that? I thought that's potentially obstruction of justice, and I hope somebody is going to look at that. Again, the president appears to be saying, what he appears to be saying is, I got rid of this guy to shut down an investigation that threatened me. 
But it didn't shut down the investigation, did it, Comey? Didn't shut it down at all. So how is that obstruction? And oh, by the way, the investigation, you jerk, was of a lie. It was an investigation that never should have happened in the first place. I mean, this really is the Soviet approach to investigations here in America by law enforcement. We're going we're gonna to concoct some cockamamie scheme. We're going to then throw all of our resources at you. And if you object, if you say this isn't fair, then you're guilty because you're obstructing our crazy investigation. That's what you're dealing with with these people. No honor, no integrity, no decency. Here's the piece on, I call it for the wrong one, John. Play, play two, because here's the piece on Comey's confusion over how this whole process is supposed to work. Play two. Were you convinced in your mind that there was a strong possibility that this campaign, this this presidential candidate at the time, was colluding with I, Russia? I really didn't know. There was smoke and enough smoke to justify investigating. What are your questions? The obstruction piece confuses me. The purpose of a special counsel is to make sure that the politicals, in this case the attorney general, doesn't make the ultimate call. But Mueller didn't make the call to bring charges. So what is he talking about? Mueller, we're going to prosecute. So if you don't prosecute, that's not prosecuting. Comey, you know, these people were all rooting against Trump. They were all dishonest in this process. All right, so I, I want to get the Jussie Smollett thing. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how this has gotten even crazier. I, I had to read through a few times today the latest on the Jussie Smollett fiasco because I, I was like, I must, this can't be sourced proper. This can't be right. He, he's not really telling us that he maybe thought that the two Nigerian brothers that beat him up were actually... Uh, this is this is in the reporting. I'm just telling you it's in the reporting. Don't blame me. He couldn't have actually thought that there were two white guys wearing MAGA hats. That's not possible, right? He didn't really say that. I mean, we know it's not actually possible, but he didn't make that claim, did he? Uh, oh, oh, yes, his lawyers, his lawyer have made a claim on his behalf. We we will get into that and more coming up. We have had to make tough calls um, on cases throughout my entire tenure. Uh, It is fair to say that the police department um, is not happy on every decision that we make. I talked to Superintendent Johnson this morning. He understands and appreciates that this was a class four felony and that though we deal with this every day, the, the surrounding narrative around it is different than how we treat any other case. She can try as much as she wants. That's Kim Fox, the prosecutor that made the Jussie Smollett hoax and any penalty for it just evaporate into thin air. She can try as much as she wants to justify this, but she's now under investigation herself, going to be under investigation shortly. That's going to happen. What she did is unbelievably unethical, obviously a case of connections and political bias intruding on prosecutorial judgment. And it's it's truly shameful. She now has had to admit that she did not recuse herself actually, but has had her office say that she colloquially, colloquially recused herself, which is not a thing, Ms. Fox. You either recuse or you don't recuse. It is go or no go. There is not some other option. By giving the case to somebody else in her office, but still maintaining 
the ability to make decisions about the case, all that means is that when she's at the water cooler and she sees, you know, Maggots, who's the guy who actually made the call, she says, you know what, we got to make this go away for Jussie. And no one knows. Oh, but Maggots made the call, or Magots, or however you say his name. Monsieur Magots. I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know how you say his name. Um, But she said she recused herself, and she didn't. She lied. I mean, I don't even know if she's going to keep her law license at the end of this. I just want to say, I, I think she's, and she should be in a whole lot of trouble. Because not only did Jussie escape, Jussie, who was very tied in with elite Chicago Democrats. I mean, this guy is connected, folks, connected with Michelle Obama, connected with a, a whole bunch of people at the very top of the power pyramid. And not only did he escape justice, but he is now going around acting like he is the aggrieved party. Talking about maybe even suing the city. City of Chicago is demanding $120,000 from him to pay for the cost of the investigation into his hoax. At a minimum, he should be made to do that if he's not going to face any real criminal penalties. But he, he's, he's taken it to a whole, a whole next level. Uh, this, this is one of these stories that I had to read a few times to make sure that I wasn't I wasn't missing something, but this is the headline. Smollett's lawyers say Nigerian brothers may have worn white face during during attack. That's right. Jesse Smollett now wants to, to, to make his story sound not quite as crazy. He is saying that two Nigerian brothers that he is friends with wore white face when they attacked him. And that's why he didn't know who they were. This is completely insane. Was Jesse Smollett guilty? Jesse Smollett had not been found guilty by a court of law. We believe that the facts were sufficient to charge and try Mr. Smollett for the crimes. Do you consider him guilty? He had not had his, he chose his alternative prosecution method. The court has not found him guilty. I believe based on the facts and the evidence that was presented in the charging decision made by this office, this office believed that they could prove him guilty. Do you think that he's culpable of falsifying a police report? I think this office, based on those charging decisions, believed that he is culpable of doing that. (laughs) I mean, like, what, what, what is she even talking about? He chose his alternative prosecution? Does... Can, can I, you know, if, if I ever get in legal trouble, I get to say, hold on a sec. I'm, I'm going to choose the alternative of the grand jury charges just go away magically and no one gets to see what the evidence was or what happened or anything. That sounds great. I, I don't think that's a normal alternative. <laughs> oh, man. This is not how this works. This is not how this works. You, you do not, as a prosecutor, allow somebody who is as guilty as a person could ever possibly be based on everything that we know to walk away self-righteously from your mercy. Oh, keep in mind, folks, a prosecutor could say if they do, if, if they want to defer prosecution or if they just want to not bring charges, they can change their minds. So why doesn't Ms. Fox here change her mind and actually bring those charges? Charges are dropped. That doesn't, there's no double jeopardy here. She could bring them back up again. She's boxed herself in here. There's no real explanation for this. Although 
my friend, uh, I mean, we know what the explanation is. Jesse Smollett's connected, and there are people that, you know, on the Democrat left that really just don't want to see someone like Jesse suffer more. They think it's mean that Jesse has to suffer more. Uh, the same people, I would note, who have no problem with ruining General Flynn's career, putting a felony on his record for an in-the-moment perjury trap that I'm not even sure was really perjury based on all the facts we know there. The people that think that, you know, Roger Stone should rot in prison for a few years because he lied about trivialities at worst to the special counsel. Those people think that Justice Smollett's entire hoax in Chicago that cost over $100,000 to the city, basically stole $100,000 from the taxpayers in the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois, uh, they, they want they want to say that this whole thing, they're, they're telling us this means nothing. Jussie Smollett's lawyer is claiming that two Nigerian brothers that he worked with wore whiteface, and that's why he didn't know who they were when he attacked them, that he maybe really thought they were white. How stupid are they going to pretend they think all of us are? I don't think there's any limit to it. I, I don't think there's any point at which they go, no, no, no. That is, in fact, too, too dumb for us to present as a possible option here. here here's Martin uh, Preeb, who is, he, you know, he, he's speaking for the, for the people of Chicago here. Play clip 22. There seems to be something very, very dark and suspicious that they would go to this length to just drop a case and endure all this national outrage over it. The police treated him as a victim long after a lot of media outlets were, were describing the glaring holes in his narrative. They put their entire... They, look, he claimed he was a victim of a hate crime. The the police did their their part and they investigated it as a hate crime, as the police should. Hate crimes are outrageous. They put superb investigators who painstakingly looked at every single uh, detail uh, of evidence that they could find, and they presented their case based upon the evidence. And to make a statements like that is totally outrageous. No. Eternal Order of Police wants her investig wants Fox investigated for this. The charges should be brought against Jesse Smollett. I mean, look, I think that the federal prosecutor should step in and just say, "All right, look, we got you on mail fraud. You're going to, you know, we can either prosecute this or you can just take a plea. But you're going on the record for being a liar. You're going on the record for being a fraud and a hoaxer and a fake. You're not, you're not going to use this to benefit your career. I just saw today. I think this this can't be." Let me make sure this is true before I tell you this one, because I saw this and I, I should have ch uh, checked it out right away. Um, wow, it's true. Justice Smollett today was nominated for an NAACP award. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on, really? Nominated for an NAACP award? That can't be. I, it's that's USA Today reported this just hours ago. I, I, I can't. I don't. I don't even know what to say. Why, why is this? Is this like a version of of the left uh, with its obsession with intersectional politics and minorities and and the oppression of minorities and the oppression of the LGBTQ community? Is this 
Is this supposed to be a kind of gaslighting of America? Like, we're going to back this guy even though he's completely in the wrong just because? Just because we like Jussie? We support Jussie no matter what? No, no matter what? I, I, I guess. I can't even begin to explain. You know, I, I have a particular interest in this because I was one of the people on this show very early on who was saying this guy's a liar. And he is. And, he, and some journalists, when they initially dropped the charges, were so stupid that they actually came at me like, see, you were wrong all along. <laughs> People are so dumb in the media. Oh, my gosh. I would say learn to code, but they'll never be able to learn to code because they're not even smart enough to learn to think. And here we are. Oh, this is this is the situation with, with Jussie Smollett, man. He is... He is shameless at a level that I, I was going to say, you know, I, I can't respect it. But there's a part of me that wants to almost say, wow, this guy is indefatigable in his dishonesty. I mean, he will not stop. No apologies. Never apologize. He's got Kim Fox catching his back. She should look. She should be disbarred. I really believe that. I mean, that, that would be she should be disbarred and he should be prosecuted. That's what should happen here. Um, now, oh, Jussie Smollett, in case you didn't think he was enough of a dirtbag, uh, enough of a bad guy, um, you know, he is, uh, he is now claiming that the Nigerian brothers, that the Nigerian brothers should be like looked at more and prosecuted. He's throwing them under the bus. The guys that he paid to, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they, he paid them to like fake beat him up. I don't know if that's a crime. I mean, maybe you could say they're part of the conspiracy, but he's trying to get people, he's trying to get them in trouble. Yeah. Look at those guys. They're the real problem. This guy is, oh, he's such a disgrace. All right. So we, we were updated on Jussie Small, but this is not, this isn't going away, folks. We're going to have to keep, keep fighting on this one because they, uh, there needs to be accountability on this. There needs to be a, a reckoning for Jussie. He needs to, he needs to be forced to say on the record that he is a, he is a liar. That this was all a fake. This is all a hoax. And that you know hoax hate crimes need to be prosecuted. Laws to the uh, lies rather to the authorities that are in violation of law need to be prosecuted. You know the the the, the thing that makes people lose faith in the justice system the fastest is double standards. When when you cannot trust that the law is going to be applied equally to all people, then 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 it's no longer about justice. Then it's just a system for political power to be wielded against some for some at the expense of the other. That's all it is. And we've been seeing that time and again. Show me the prominent Republican who's gotten some great, you know, sweetheart deal recently because of his position in the Republican Party. I I cannot I can think of the opposite happening all the time. And show me Democrats, plenty of Democrats. Hillary Clinton, hello, best example of it. Who know that they are effectively above the law. This this is this is egregious. This needs to stop. It is wrong in so many ways on so many levels. I certainly hope we can get some some justice here somehow, some way. All right, team. We uh we got to talk about Democrat candidates coming up here. Cory Booker, Joe Biden. Some more thoughts from down here. 
I almost said the land down under, but that's a that's a different that's a different place. That's not El Paso, uh, down by the borders. I mean, not not the land down under. I, I have not seen any koalas by the border. That has not happened. Although that would be, I mean, it would have meant that somebody slipped some slipped some peyote instead of mezcal in my margarita, which wouldn't be a good thing. Oh, do you smoke peyote? I don't think you drink it. Do you sm- no, you drink it. You smoke it. I don't know. I'm a good boy. I don't do any drugs. We'll be right back. If I am your president, we are going to bring the fight to the NRA who wants to represent corporate gun owners, corporate gun corporations, uh, manufacturers more than they want to represent the people because this is what they're doing to Americans. They are defending loopholes like that loophole that if a man is convicted of beating his wife, he can find a loophole to go out and buy a gun and murder her. They are defending not their membership, but loopholes like the loophole that says that someone on the terrorist no-fly list in our country can still go to a gun show and buy weapons or that somebody that's convicted of a violent crime can still find a loophole to go and buy a weapon. Everything that Cory Booker... Democrat presidential uh, aspirant, right? One of the Democrats vying for the nomination. Everything Cory Booker said there is not true, basically. I, I, think, I think you could actually break down every statement he made. All of it is, is a factual falsehood. Lie, 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 lie. On CNN, of course, not that they really care. They're like, yay, he hates guns. He's one of the good people. Everything he says is not true. Where are the fact checkers? Where are the scathing editorials on the front page of the Washington Post or the or the you know forget the editorials? Where where are the fact checkers in the Washington? Where are the Pinocchios for Cory Booker on the lies about what the laws are when it comes to guns in this country? Does 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 anybody care? Is Cory Booker allowed to just say whatever he wants about anything? I mean, that stuff is entirely false. Not even close to true. But everyone there in that audience, yeah, really wants to get rid of guns. It's just virtue signaling, folks. It's it's not possible that the Democrats are as dumb as they pretend to be on some of these issues, whether it's guns or climate change or any, any number of major policy initiatives that they discuss, but never want to enact. You know, oh, we want to talk about guns and we want to stop guns. And OK, do you, do you want to ban? Do you, do you, you're going to ban assault rifles? You want to do that? Can you get all the Democrats on board for that? In the House, too? Everybody's on board for this? Senate, too? Yeah? No? Oh! Oh, you mean you have Democrats in some states where they won't... Uh, I, but I thought this was all about saving saving the lives of children. The only way the Democrats want to save the lives of children, apparently, is to ban guns, which will save almost no children's lives. Uh, but they don't want to save lives by defunding Planned Parenthood. Isn't that interesting? No interest in actually taking any action there. But Cory Booker is in a very privileged position. He is a Democrat who is in serious contention for the Democratic nomination, which means that he is going to receive special treatment. They are going to make sure that his path is not strewn with any particularly uh, onerous challenges along the way. They want to make sure that, you know, they... Do everything in their power to hold him up. And they want to prevent there from being any particular stumbling on policy or anything else until they know who they're – because they're not sure. You see, last time it was Hillary. Last time they knew that anything that was pro-Hillary was good, anything including Bernie – What do you mean? They're throwing me under the bus? Not again. uh, Including Bernie, that was bad. 
right? Bernie for the media was bad because they were so sure about Hillary. This time around, the Democrats aren't really united behind a single candidate, which means that they have to kind of spread around their propaganda efforts. They got to share the Democrat love a little bit here, you know, and make sure that they kind of create these different narratives. You know, I'm down here in, in, uh, in Beto country and right here in El Paso, Texas. And he's very, he's a very well-known guy down here, obviously. I still think that uh, Buttigieg, I hope I'm saying it right. I still think that Buttigieg, though, has a real lane to kind of be the, the better Beto. The better, the better Beto. I like that. Uh, but I, I think that could happen because there's just not enough. Beto O'Rourke, yeah, he's got the celebrity and he's got the flash and the sizzle and all that stuff. But, oh, I don't know. Do you, do you need any substance to be a Democrat running for office now? Look at Ocasio-Cortez. Says the craziest and, – and what the crazier things that she says, the more angry she gets when people call it, you know, crazy. Right. And then she says something even wackier, you know, give it a few days, says something even wackier. You know, I'm the boss. You're not the boss. I'm the boss. (laughs) That was my favorite. No, no, you're a freshman member of Congress. There's hundreds of you. You're not actually the boss. The Democrats are so lacking in charisma and new ideas and and solutions that the American people would sign on for. Yeah, no, I know they're going to talk about Medicare. Medicare for all is great. So is free chocolate cake that you can eat endless amounts of that never disappears. There's enough for everybody and won't make you fat. That's awesome too. It doesn't exist. Medicare for all that wouldn't destroy the budget, that wouldn't result in a 50% increase, maybe more in your taxes. That sounds great. That's not reality. But if you point out that it's not reality, she just gets more angry and the press runs cover for her. If you point out to Cory Booker that everything that he said in his little gun speech there was just emotionally laden nonsense, just factual falsehood, untrue. Why, why, are you, why don't you want to do more to save the children? You know, it's, everyone gets all upset. Why aren't you being nicer to Spartacus? Because I think the people should be held to account. But look, look at what they put uh, Trump through on his way to the nomination. They weren't just seeking – always remember this. They were not just seeking to defeat Trump at the polls. They wanted him destroyed. They wanted his life ruined. They were investigating his family. They were digging up dirt on his wife. I mean they were doing everything that they could. And it wasn't just for political purposes. It was to destroy his businesses, to destroy his livelihood. That's what we're up against with the opposition, folks. Do not forget it for a second. Which brings me to Biden – was out there speaking of saying nonsense and stupid things always room for a biden conversation when that's on the menu we will get into all of that coming up here in just a couple of minutes team stay with me a really notable woman anita hill a professor showed the courage of a lifetime talking about her experience being harassed by clarence thomas but she paid a terrible price she was abused through the hearing She's taken advantage of. But I also realized there was a real and perceived problem the committee faced. There were a bunch of white guys. No, I mean it sincerely. A bunch of white guys hearing, hearing this testimony in the Senate Judiciary Committee. So when Anita Hill, when Anita Hill came to testify, she faced a committee that didn't fully understand what the hell it was all about. To this day, I regret I couldn't come up with a way to get her the kind of hearing she deserved, given the courage she showed by reaching out to us. 
Joe Biden is an intellectually bankrupt fraud. I, I want I want us to all be very clear about that. That is my position. Joe Biden does not have any principles. He is the classic slimy, change your position, say what you have to say in the moment, oleaginous politician. He, he is the prototype of when people think of a politician in this country, someone who just you know has the big grin, shakes the hands, kisses the babies, smiles and says whatever he has to say at any moment, that's, that's Joe Biden. And I think that this latest stuff you're hearing from Biden, who is not yet running, but is still considered in most polling the front runner among the Democrats, which should just shock everybody. I mean, that's Joe Biden. That that's your answer. This is this is going to give us a fresh look at America. This is somebody who, the guy couldn't get one percent of the vote when he ran before, but because he was Obama's VP, now he should be president. The guy didn't do anything. He play, this is true. He played more golf than Obama did when he was vice president. Uh, and I, I know people that spent a lot of time around Biden during those years, and they were none too fond of him and did not find him impressive. I will say, just because I'm a fair-minded person, the people that I know that spent a lot of time around Biden said that his wife, uh, Dr. Biden, is lovely and very nice. So at least he did well there. Uh, but Joe Biden is exactly what you're hearing in this in this soundbite. You know, now he's trying to do the whole, oh, you know, I I should have done more. You know, now, now he's Joe Biden. The social justice warrior in retrospect for Anita Hill. Now, I have to ask, what what is he really trying to say here? You know, what do you mean, Joe Biden, when when he says that, you know, it was a bunch of white guys that were questioning Anita Hill during those Supreme Court uh, nominee hearings? What would be the, you know, let me just take his premise seriously. That we don't just live in a society where adults speak to adults in situations like that, irrespective of their skin color or their gender, right? Which, which That's what I believe, that you just speak to people as fellow adults, human beings, Americans, U.S. citizens, that we just speak to each other. It's not, well, my skin color is this, your skin color is that, so that should factor into whether I get to ask questions or you get to answer them. That's not, I, I, But let's just put that aside. Let's take Joe Biden's premise here seriously, which is that there's something inherently wrong, because that's what he's suggesting, with Anita Hill, who, by the way, was accusing a black man, not a white guy, a black man of sexual harassment, even though she followed him around and wanted to work with him for years and years, accusing him of sexual harassment. And he says that she was abused during the hearings. I don't know how, by people asking her questions about her allegations. Is is. Is cross-examining now of a witness to be abused? Because if that's the case, our whole criminal justice system falls apart. If you're not allowed to have people ask you questions to test the veracity of claims, then anyone can make any claims they want under oath and weaponize them without any hope of a real defense for the accused. But let's go back to Biden's basic uh, premise here. That because there were white, remember, this is back during the Justice Clarence Thomas uh, hearings for whether he'd be on the Supreme Court. It was very contentious. People who say that, oh, you know, she had nothing to gain. You hear this about Blasey Ford, too. That's a lie. All right. They've had movies and they cast the most, you know, the most illustrious and 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 appealing 
woman in Hollywood possible to play Anita Hill, and you know she's she's institutes and speeches, and you know she's just, she's a a beloved figure treated like a hero on the left for trying to take down a guy for making essentially some inappropriate jokes and asking her out a few times, according to her. So, and then of course she followed him around and, and everything else. Uh, I mean, followed him around in terms of her career. She didn't seem to want to get away from this guy, despite her saying that he was sexually harassing her. And Biden then says, well, she had white guys questioning her. So what's the answer, though? I mean, this is why I say Biden is, is intellectually bankrupt. What's supposed to happen? Would, would one black senator on the committee have been sufficient? Or would that be a form of, of tokenism? Would that be just, for appearances sake, window dressing on that committee? Would it be only would it be only black members of the Senate who would be allowed to question her? Should they bring in somebody like they did with Blasey Ford? who is of African-American background in order to question Anita? Would it have to be an African-American female? I mean, I, I really, you know, w- what would be acceptable? He's, he's bashing the optics of that hearing because there were white members of the United States Senate who were men asking Anita Hill questions. So what should have been the case? What would have been fair? No one gets to ask her questions? I mean, do they have an answer to this? I would wonder. Oh, they'd say, oh, well, Buck, but that's because we don't have enough diversity in the Senate. Okay, but... If we didn't have enough diversity in the Senate, then we still had Senate proceedings going on. What are we supposed to do? Not not have the hearings? But you see that Biden is just trying to what is essentially an emotional appeal to seem like he's woke Biden here. He's social justice Biden. He gets it, man. He's, you know, understands the cause now. He signed him up for like HuffPost. He could live in Brooklyn and tweet about how intersectional he is and all this stuff because biden knows that he's old he's out of touch he's out of date and not exactly exciting as a candidate but then he also got into a, a, a little more about this i didn't even know what this was play clip five the court of common law decided they had to do something about the extent of the death so you know what they said no man has a right to chastise his woman with a rod thicker than the circumference of his thumb. This is English jurisprudential culture. A white man's culture. It's got to change. It's got to change. Notice how Joe Biden, who I will say this, is, is every bit as, as white as any other white guy I've ever seen. He might be the most white, white guy you could ever find. I mean, he is at he is at a, a, a white guy level speaking as a white guy that I think is, you know, uh, right, right at the top of the list. Right. There's nothing particularly uh, non-white about Joe Biden. And here he is talking about the white man's culture and how it has to change. First of all, his rule of thumb story is not even true. So but, you know, this is this is like when you have. People who bash – this is like Cory Booker bashing gun laws, just making stuff up, just just fabricating stuff wholesale, just making it up as he goes along. And it doesn't matter, though, because it's for the cause. Joe Biden making up this this rule of thumb story it, – it's it's I know this. This is, a, this is apocryphal, that it's about the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the width of the thumb for the rod to, to beat women with um, – but that the white man's culture is holding us back. What are people to make of that statement? I mean, it's a moronic thing to say. It's a moronic thing to say because 
it's so bereft of, of any thought at all. What, what does that mean? A, a white, man, white man's culture is holding us back. How? What is white man's culture? And what does he think people, when he uses that phrase, are taking away from it? It's just such a stupid thing to say, but Joe Biden has been propped up by people for so long because he's just the consummate politician who says whatever he has to say in the moment. They cover up for his his kind of dumb, you know, off-script comments by saying, oh, it's just Joe being Joe. No, I mean, the guy's a buffoon, a buffoon who's been wrong, by the way, on every major foreign policy issue. It's supposed to be his area. He's been wrong on every major foreign policy issue stretching back into the early 90s. Biden is wrong, wrong, wrong. And now he's trying to be something he's not. And it's just unseemly and kind of pathetic. And this is the best the Democrats have to offer. This is their number one contender. Guy who talks about getting rid of white man culture, who's the whitest white man you could ever find, makes no sense. And it puts health care for millions of Americans in some level of uncertainty and also jeopardy. What would happen? I mean, what would happen? What would millions of Americans lose? Just, just to be clear, yeah. Republicans do not have a plan to replace Obamacare. The fate of health care for more than 20 million Americans insured through Obamacare and Medicaid expansion hangs in the balance. As of this moment, Republicans have not offered a single new alternative to Obamacare. Uh, some people characterizing this as a gift to Nancy Pelosi uh, going into this next 2020 election. Get rid of Obamacare, says the Trump administration. Okay, so what's the plan to replace it? We don't know, says the Trump administration. Simply repealing Obamacare without uh, Republicans coalescing behind an alternative would throw the health care system into chaos. That is laughable. You read my mind. I wanted to get your respondent to the president saying that, that we will have a plan. Um, laughable. Noted. Ha <laughs> CNN. Oh, there's such serious journos over at CNN, aren't they? After perpetuating a fraud for two years collusion with russia oh the collusion please after all of that nonsense for two years now now they can't keep that one going at least in the meantime and so what they've done is they're they go from trashing trump on collusion that didn't exist that was the main state and now all oh, they're trashing him on health care let's just start with this they're they've got a false premise going my friends and the premise is this that you have to come up with an alternative to obamacare when what most people would say is, how about just get rid of, how about the healthcare system before Obamacare came along? Obamacare didn't make things better. It did not improve the healthcare system. It has made it more expensive. It has, for some people, been worse. For some people, it is better. That is true. In the individual exchange, for some people that are affected by pre-existing conditions, which true pre-existing conditions that would price you out of the healthcare market are that's a very small percentage of the population. Should have been dealt with by Republicans. That is on them. That is a miss. But the way that they present this issue, the way that CNN and the various libs, the Democrats, the way that they uh, try to they, they try to make it sound like, oh, Obamacare is this this thing that you have to come up with just a better version of Obamacare. When no. There could have just been fixes to the healthcare system made without trying to put us on a pathway to socialized medicine, which is what Obamacare is, right? It goes Obamacare to Medicare for all to single payer 
which will also then lead to socialized medicine. That's the pathway. That's the transition. Those are the stages. We've already gone into Obamacare. Now we're going to Medicare for all, uh, which is not really a single payer program, right? But then then we'll get to single payer because Medicare has cost sharing. Medicare doesn't cover everything and it has cost sharing mechanisms. So you do have to pay some for Medicare. Uh, But then they're going to say, well, that's not enough. Then we need single payer which just means the government pays for everything. And then when they do that, they're going to say the only way to have the necessary efficiencies in the system will be if there is a government control of the healthcare market overall, of the healthcare delivery system, I mean, overall. So that that's where this is all heading. And and I think we should we should at least we should be clear about this. But meanwhile, you know, the the left likes to just be snide and and act like they've got this all figured out. They they leave behind in this conversation that Obamacare was not nearly the success that they pretended it would be. In fact, it dramatically underperformed by their own metrics. And it's really just a, a vast expansion of Medicaid. That's what Obamacare has become. It is an expansion of the Medicaid program. And then it has these, in the individual markets, these cost-sharing mechanisms. The reason it didn't go into the employer-provided market is because that is popular enough, enough people like that, that they knew that politically that was a non-starter. Remember, they were going to tax Cadillac plans, and there was all this stuff that was supposed to happen in the Obamacare law. And they said, nope, we're not going to do that. And yet, Bro Cuomo and Monsieur Don Lemon. Bonjour, Monsieur Dolemont. You do not uh, know very much, but you sound like Monsieur Dolemont. So that's all. Also known as Don Lemon. I just like saying his name. And people make fun of my name. All In fact, Don Lemon has made fun of my name, if you want to know. Don Lemon. First time I ever did a show. Buck Sexton. Porn star name. That's what he said. I said, Don, you are every bit as clever as I thought you were before I sat down on your set. So there we have it. Play clip four. Our president said today that the GOP will be known as the party of health care. But it seems to me he left out a word based on his administration's latest move with the ACA. The president will make his party about removing health care. This president and his party have no plan to provide care to tens of millions if the ACA is gone. Why, why, why? Welcome to the new normal. The president says the GOP is going to be the party of health care. Then why is his Justice Department saying the Affordable Care Act should be struck down? The president has said again and again um, that he wanted to protect pre-existing conditions. Is this another, yet another lie from the president? Does Pro Cuomo want to know if they're going to cover weight gainer and, like, you know, my latest creatine formula? I don't know. We'd have to ask Pro Cuomo about that one. Uh, they're, they're condemning him on health care without even knowing what he's going to say should obviously Obamacare is not going to get repealed tomorrow. We all know this. So there's no imminent danger of an Obamacare repeal, but he's trying to start to make the public case. And what they're doing is criticizing him without even knowing what the case is that President Trump plans to make. This is just pure propaganda, folks. This is just my team good, your team bad stuff from CNN, which I don't expect anything more from them than that? I mean, come on. These are the same people that brought you Russia collusion for two years. But we should at least call it for what it is. We should know that that's what's going on. They're, they're criticizing something before. They're, they're saying that Trump's cooking isn't, isn't good and he hasn't even left the kitchen yet. You know, he hasn't even brought it out. Oh, but his food isn't good. Uh, there's, there's so much here to, 
to pull apart. And, and I just, I know that what we're going to be in the midst of going into this election, which is going to turn, right now is the lull, especially because liberals are running, not running scared, but they're, they're laying a little low this week, most of them. They know that Russia collusion was an embarrassment for, any, for anybody who has principles or any decency what the, in the media. What they've done for the last two years is an utter and, and complete embarrassment. But most of them don't have principles. Most of them don't really care. Uh, they would rather just pull a mat out and get the benefit of the upside of doing that, get the benefit of big ratings for two years, and then just, you know, hope their audience forgets because ultimately it was all for the cause, man. Come to the coast, have a few laughs. It was all for the cause. So that was what they decided to do. Um, but Bro Cuomo, Don Le Mans, they already have their marching orders here. Slam Trump on health care. Doesn't matter what he wants to do. Doesn't matter what he suggests, what he recommends. Slam Trump on health care. We'll be right back. Let's not I be the one who cast the first stone about getting irritable on an airplane. But this story, uh, this one, this one caught my eye today. You have a, a woman who is being referred to on Fox as the worst airline passenger has a meltdown over not being served Pepsi. <laughs> uh, do they try to serve her a, a, a Coke instead? A drunk woman on board a TAP flight just really wanted a Pepsi, according to Fox here. The unidentified Spanish woman became belligerent. It's a great word. I love that word. You know that. After boarding the uh, Malaga-bound flight in Portugal, according to the outlet, short, shortly after the woman boarded the, the hour-and-a-half flight, she began taking shots from a hip flask while demanding crew serve her a Pepsi. Uh, when attendants informed her they would only be serving fruit juice on the flight, she became outraged and began, began screaming at the crew in Spanish. She got out of the seat. Her face was bright red. Her hands turned into claws. <laughs> She looked like a demon. <laughs> El Diablo. She was the worst passenger I've ever seen on an airline, and I fly quite a lot, according to the Daily Mail. Oh, man. Then uh, she was apparently very inebriated. Um, this lady was out of control. She was drunk. She was aggressive. She was chucking food. <laughs> oh, man. She was yelling and yelling in Spanish, apparently. Okay, well... I just bring this up because yesterday on my flight down here to El Paso, we sat on the tarmac for about 40 minutes. And then we were told that it was because of a paperwork delay. Now, I, I understand that sometimes there's safety checks and procedures and there's weather. And, you know, there are things that while frustrating, you have to just kind of accept are the you know as as the price of flying right there are some things that you just have to say to yourself you know what i i understand that that can happen right the airlines can't control the weather and if there's a real mechanical failure and they've got to do maintenance i get that i want to save flight just like everybody else but when you have a couple of hundred people who are sitting in uncomfortable chairs except for the fancy first class people when i fly for business i fly coach my friends that uh Tells you all you need to know. Uh, but we're sitting there for a couple of hours, or sorry, for 40 minutes rather, not a couple of hours, um, waiting for, it would have been a better story if it was a couple of hours, but then they have to touch back to the gate. But if it's a paperwork failure, I feel like that's unacceptable. 
And I always like to remind everybody that if you ever want a feeling of what it would be like to live in a totalitarian state, all you really have to do, all you really have to figure out is, you know, what's it like to be on an airplane where you are being held effectively against your will, right? I mean, you can't just get up and say, I'm out of here, I'm done. It's uncomfortable. Nobody will explain anything to you. Nobody feels the need to really make you feel better. You're just supposed to sit there, shut up, and deal with their incompetence. Because airlines do a lot of incompetent stuff. That, that's just what happens. Um, there, there are unfortunately all these regulations, and, and it's all very geared toward the airlines. Somehow we can't figure out this. I, can, I have more computing power in my hand as I do this show than all of the advanced countries of the world did you know, 60 or 70 years ago put together. But we haven't been able to figure out how to put people on an airplane and not treat them like they're getting a special exam from the Stasi. You know, I, I, I think we could do better as a country. I, I don't know. People I know, you're going to say, Buck, maybe you can fly private. Now, this doesn't mean that you can turn your hands into claws and turn into El Diablo and start throwing, uh, start throwing things at people and completely freaking out. You know, the, the demon, the demon style outrage or, uh, or, or just freak out that we apparently missed on this, uh, air, the Spanish airlines flight. But, you know, it does mean that sometimes it feels like when you have no recourse and you're subject to endless amounts of frustration, that's what it would be like to live in a country that's not capitalist, where there is no penalty for the bureaucracy and the people around you failing you all the time, where your suffering does not matter. In fact, you're supposed to suffer in silence. So in that, in that sense, I feel like airlines are very instructive. It is your little window into a totalitarian or at least authoritarian society. Excuse, excuse me, this. Can I get up to go to the bathroom? No, because there's a one in a billion chance that while the plane is actually on the tarmac, that maybe a comet will strike the tarmac and will flip the plane over and you will survive only because this really very worn out seatbelt that's, you know, way too big for you is going to be around. I mean, please. But this is the kind of stuff you deal with. This is really just my anxiety I'm sharing with you about having to fly again tomorrow. Connecting flight, too. That's always fun. Oh, gosh. So airline travel, folks, whoever figures it out and makes it better, whoever makes airlines accountable and stop stinking so much, uh, they would be, I think, my favorite person, maybe only second to robocall ending. Whoever ends the robocallers, that would be amazing. Apparently, FCC, by the way, has created huge fines that they never end up collecting. So that's not acceptable. Maybe that's a story we'll have to hit for another time. But now I've got, I've got roll call coming to you up next. So stick around, team. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for Roll Call. Indeed. Roll Call time, everybody. From El Paso, Texas. Down here at the uh, iHeart station in El Paso. Which is a whole bunch of fun. Very much enjoy being down here, El Paso is nice and warm today, and apparently I have been told that next door Juarez, which 
is also known for some other stuff. But next door Juarez is allegedly the home of the original home of the margarita. So there is that. I will tell you that I recognize that a margarita is calorically and metabolically probably not the greatest thing to be fond of. But man, a really good smoky mezcal margarita with some salt on the rim. I could taste it right now. And I'm going to tell you, that's where I'm going as soon as this show is done. You could say I'm going to Margaritaville, except on the uh, U.S. side of the border. I don't think I'm going to wander into the uh, Juarez side today. I don't think I'm going to do that. It did not bring my passport. So I think this time around, I'm going to have to uh, pass on that. But it has been a fascinating day down here, and I'm always glad to get some time with the uh, men and women of Border Patrol and, and to get some ground truth on what's going on here. All right, first up on roll call, Patrick. Remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to be a part of roll call. Buck, greetings from the Buckmobile and the great state of Connecticut. Just to touch on your recent comments about racism, I was a defense contractor in Kuwait for three tours. Never have I witnessed such blatant racism toward uh, TCNs and expats at the hands of the Kuwaitis. They didn't have to fake a hate crime like uh, Jussie because it happened on a daily basis, but I digress. You should get together with Shapiro and do a show completely with your imitation. He does the best Bernie Sanders impression I've heard. Keep up the solid work. You're doing great. OSS, Sully. I don't know. I think my Bernie's better. I'll be honest with you. If we're really just going to go there. But I've heard Ben's Bernie. Look, Ben's Bernie is solid. I'm not not saying it's not a very solid Bernie impersonation. It is. Um, But I I prefer my own Bernie. What I really want to know is, does Shapiro have a better impersonation? Like where everyone is just so earnest. And they just want to hold hands and talk about, like, how they're going to make the future so much better. Um, I want to know if he's got a, a Beto. But, no, Ben's Bernie is solid. No no doubt about it. My Bernie's better, but Ben is, ben is good. No question. Um, let's see. We have uh, – oh, this one is a link that I can't read on air because I can't open it right now. Peter. Hey, Buck, it's well past time that President Trunk invokes – did I say Trunk? President Trump invokes INA Section 212F and declares asylum seekers and illegal immigrants inadmissible. The text of 2012F states, whenever the president finds that the entry of an alien or any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation and for such period as he deems necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem appropriate. Shields high. Pete, up in Michigan. Well, Pete, this is what was uh, initially cited for the so-called Muslim ban, you will recall, and that resulted in a battle that went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Trump administration did win that battle, which I think is uh, important for everyone to know and remember and keep in mind we were told by so many legal experts oh my gosh trump is so lawless until the supreme court got to look at it and they said no no he in fact does have the authority to do this he does have the authority and he did and so there was that um it'll go to the courts if if trump tries anything to stop 
what is currently an, an unsustainable – if you believe that we should have a secure border, what's going on right now is unsustainable. And I don't even mean a secure border that's perfectly secure. I mean even a little bit secure. If you're going to just try to have border security, we are almost at the point where it's no longer uh, no longer feasible to make the case that we have a secure border. All right. Anthony writes, hey, brother, call me. I'm from El Paso. I'd like to show you around out here. Well, Anthony, I'm traveling with my crew, but uh, we will try to reach out as we are getting some drinks out here in El Paso. So uh, I will, I'll pass this along to Hill TV producer Jess, and you'd probably rather talk to her than me anyway, um, which would make sense. She's, she's, she's cool. She's the one that makes sure that I also know where I'm going and what I'm doing when we're out in the field. Brent, Shields Eye, you're down in my neck of the woods, down in El Paso. I hope it is informative for your listeners. I'm pretty close to your age. I remember in college, the big thing was for all us kids to cross the bridge into Juarez and hit the flea markets and party at the big spots down there. It was a really big moneymaker for the local economy at that time. Not that I'm advocating for what we did as college kids, but it's very sad to see how far that city has deteriorated in just the last 17 years. Hope you enjoy your visit, Brent. Yeah, Brent, everyone down here is very aware of just what it's like in Juarez and how things have been going there. They, they tell me now that it's a lot safer than it was, but there was a, just last night, a uh, an assassination. I mean, a cartel hit in some restaurant where they just went in and, and wasted a couple of people. So that happens just across, when I say across the border, it really feels like it's the same city as in, it's it's a contiguous metro area. There, there's no, it's not like there's a border and then there's, you know, a few miles of desert and then you get to another city. It's like if you were in, uh, if you were in one city and you made a fence that went through the city, that's the separation between El Paso and Juarez. Although the fence is not entirely complete, which is one of the things they have to get going here. Um, Brittany writes, hey, Buck, I want to run a theory by you. Is there a chance Manafort asked to be in solitary confinement so he doesn't have to mix with the prisoners in the general population of the prison? If I went to prison, I'd probably ask for books in solitary. I can't hang. Uh, Brittany, I don't think so. What, what you're talking about is more along the lines of what, for example, law enforcement will sometimes be placed in if they are convicted of a crime, law enforcement officers will go into uh, what I believe is called administrative segregation or ad adseg, I believe is what they call it. And that's where you're not a part of the general population, because if you're a cop and you're in prison, you're obviously a major target and you still have all the privileges of the rest of the prisoner population. But you're not um, in the yard at the same time as them, I think. And their you know, meals might be separate. Wash time may be separate. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Bureau of Prisons guy, but I, I, what I believe Manafort is in is straight up uh, solitary confinement, which is a, a different situation and a very, very uh, psychologically trying one. I mean, he's on lockdown for 23 hours a day by himself, 23 hours a day he's in a cell by himself. That some people have argued is, is a form of psychological torture. Uh, and remember, Manafort is a threat to no human being. There is no one who thinks Manafort is a threat. In fact, you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who feels victimized by Paul Manafort. Uh, the only person that is victimized is the federal government and the Treasury Department, which he has paid back in full and then some. I'm not excusing what Manafort did. I just think that 
we need to have punishments that fit the crime and seven years in federal prison and a $25 million fine on top of that, that seems excessive. And it, it is only happening because Manafort is uh, tied to Trump, as we know. Jeremy, the way I've learned to say Mayor Pete's last name is Buttigieg. As someone who lives in the greater South Bend area, Mayor Pete is an interesting candidate. Politically, as mayor of a small blue city surrounded by a sea of red rural Indiana, he attempts to govern more toward the center. Since Democrats are needles in a haystack in Indiana's Republican supermajority House and Senate, his only upward political direction is the jump to president. It will be interesting to see how the DNC receives him, but he is definitely a better candidate than Beto. Just some opposition research. Shields high, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy, I, I, I think that, you know, you, you got to look at Mayor Pete's background and his, his pedigree of, of service to the country and his, his pedigree of, um, you know, an academic background that's, that's obviously exceptional and think that he's a, a more serious candidate than Beto. The, the word I've spoke to some folks, spoken, pardon me, I spoke, look, I'm down in Texas, I spoke People in Texas are like, Buck, that's not what we say either. Um, I've spoken to some people down here who uh, have told me that Mayor, I mean, that uh, Beto was considered a pretty centrist guy when he was a congressman uh, for for El Paso, this district, and, and had been usually a pretty moderate individual. But now that he's trying to run as a, as a Democrat, because the Democrats are crazy, he's had to be pretty crazy too so that's a a different circumstance than what i think a lot of people were expecting but that's where we are team that's going to be the show from here in el paso uh you can find me at you know somewhere downtown whatever the most famous place is for mexican food here in el paso that is where i will be tonight if you're in the el paso area whatever the most well-known is so i'll be drinking margaritas there with my team with my crew so feel free to swoop on by and say hi uh i will be Traveling tomorrow, the godfather Michael Pelko will be in, so we'll talk Monday. Until then, my friends, you know what's up. You know what time it is. Shields high.